Let's go. The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. We're the Elsers. Welcome to the Elf Nerds, a production of Galactic Netcast. I'm Gregor Sprague. I'm Corey Scott. For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other G- uh, Galactic Netcast programs, go to gncast.com. And uh, we will spoil the shit, and we will say the shit. So, <laughs> there's your fucking warning. <laughs> yes, this is a... Special. If for you listen to this, we recorded this as I got out of work or after I got out of work, uh, because being in retail is just great when they work you at schedule at nights. Um, when they schedule you, period. It seems like they do their best to give you the least um, attractive schedule as possible and just like impact every single thing that you do outside of work. It's like, well, remember that life you used to have? Nah. Yeah. Yeah, there. So for in, for instance, I am working the next twelve twelve day or eleven nights straight. Like that or is, starting yesterday, starting yesterday. Is, so so yeah, and then then Thursday I get a break and I work in the morning. <laughs> I've been on those kinds of schedules. It's a it's a good time if you have overtime, and that's about it. It's oh like, this week this this week I will have. A, if I do my math right and I and I take as long as I normally take to do the uh, checking out, like closing procedure for, um, you know, doing like handling the money and all that stuff, you know, getting the deposit ready, I should have worked forty one to forty two hours mm. this week, um, which means I'd get two hours extra in overtime as opposed to the half hour extra. That would be if I if I was perfect on time, which hasn't happened yet and might not ever happen, but whatever. One and of the then, things I learned from bowling is never be afraid to sandbag. Uh, yeah. Start out doing things slow, and never show an increase in speed, and then your expectations will be held low. Unless you have to, unless your boss comes down and you is like, hey, you know, you're really slow. Then you can show mm-hmm. improvement for that time, and uh, you'll be great. Oh yeah, I've definitely had that talk today, and I'm like, you realize I'm 320 pounds, and you're expecting me to move around here like I'm a freaking, like like I'm a freaking waif thin little boy, like some of the other employees we got here. Um, I can't do that. <laughs> but no, so all in all, it's fun. And the next week, I'm working uh about 45 hours, 40 yeah. 44, 45 hours, so... So what Gregor is saying is be forgiving of our possibly shifting schedule for the show. Yeah, for the next couple weeks. Um, so, so let's get into it for tonight. Yeah. Starting with the first bit of news, and this is the... Um, this is from HeroicHollywood.com, and that is that the um, the animated movie about uh, from... The, the Spider-Man animated movie by Phil, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I almost said Phil Miller, um, is going to be based on Miles Morales. Yeah, this was a kind of big and exciting surprise to me. Is I mean, there was 
some rumors, some hope that when they relaunched the Spider-Man films, uh, since we'd just gone through two versions of Peter Parker, people were kind of like, well, maybe we can do something a little different. There's this other Spider-Man bounding around the Marvel Universe right now. Wouldn't it be great if he showed up on screen at some point? And they were like, no, 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 we gotta, we got to get Peter right. At this point, we have to get Peter Parker right. We owe him that. And so I get that. But getting this animated film that's been announced for a little while, and it was kind of confusing as to why Sony was doing both the live-action movie and an animated movie around the same time, um, getting the announcement that this is going to be the Miles Morales character, that's great. That is absolutely awesome. I want to see this character more. I want to see him up on the big screen where other people are going to find him and hopefully uh, kids who maybe don't feel as included in some of the superhero films so far with the representation that's been up on the screen will get a little bit more of that. Plus, he's a great character. Yeah. And I, I honestly, and we will have the links in the show notes for this article, um, which is, it's written by, um, who is it, um, Umberto uh, Gonzalez over at Heroic Hollywood, and I highly recommend you read this because it's almost like an op-ed sort of deal where, I mean, he's talking, he, he makes this very personal with him, himself being uh, Latino, but and gives you, you know, a very brief overview of who Miles Morales is for people who don't know, but then also goes into um, some... Uh, talking about the Washington Post, David Betancourt, who, like Miles Morales, is half black and half Puerto Rican, and how he's written ex- so extensively and passionately about Miles Morales, and um, how he has a piece called Miles Morales and Me, the New Biracial Spider-Man Matter, or Why the New Biracial Spider-Man Matters, and Miles Morales' most heroic stand is Spider-Man, question mark, the moment he em- embraces his biracial identity. So, I mean, it's, like, great stuff here. Um, so I don't I, suppose, since we've already had it happen, that it matters as much if Donald Glover gets to voice the character again. But it, that was kind of the the first idea of this came from <laughs> Donald Glover wanting to play Spider-Man in the films and the internet freaking the fuck out yeah. and saying, oh, shit, no, Spider-Man ain't black. And he's like... Why can't the black guy be Spider-Man? And Bendis, to his credit, was like, why can't a black guy be Spider-Man? Um, Bendis himself has kids who are of mixed race. I think I read that somewhere. And it was kind of like a big deal to him. Like, why would I not want to see them get to have their heroes in the same way that I've always had mine? Yeah, uh, and I know that's getting to be more of a predominant thought process. Is we have a lot of creators. Um, I mean, we still have a lot of white creators, but we don't have that same level as what we used to. And I, I just, I'm kind of really excited about this for any number of reasons. It's one of those things. It's like, yes, there's the political idea of it's a really good idea to do. But then there's just the fact that he's a really cool character. He's obviously proven himself. Uh, the transfer from the Ultimate Universe to the mainstream Marvel Universe 
has worked out. He's doing very well in all new Avengers. I think he's been widely embraced at this point where there were people who had problems with initially. Um, I think a lot of that has gone away, like you'd expect it would. Yeah. Uh, loud ass hats screaming their heads off for the first 20 minutes, and then the rest of the world says, hey, why don't you go fuck yourself in the butt? Uh, we're okay with it. We kind of mm-hmm. want to see more of this. Uh, so we're going to have a good time, and you go over there and cry and use your tears for masturbation. Cry-serbation, there you go. Yeah. Um, but no, so... Actually, no, I'm, I'm using the, the segue. Speaking of Christurbation, um, CBS canceled Limitless. Um, this came out shortly after the um, the news, or, or, we, or we got on recording yesterday, or last week. And this is that, this came from the showrunner, um, Craig Sweeney. And that is that they won't be finding a they won't be trying to find a home anymore, or on other networks. Quakes, yeah. Quakes, or Craig Sweeney saying, "I'm truly sad to report that hashtag Limitless will not continue on any platform." Thanks so much for everyone who watched. And it's sad to see go, but at the same time, I feel like they told told a complete enough story that. It was. It felt like it was okay for it to go. Yeah, I didn't stick with the program past the first couple episodes. I enjoyed it enough. Uh, it was just, especially at the beginning of the the season, it's too many things to try to watch. But you guys, uh, you and Beat and Evan have all said very good things about it, and I trust your opinions. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you're a tool, and I. You know, it's it's a bummer to see shows that are enjoyed and beloved go away when uh, um, Wayward Pines is coming back in the air. I just don't. And get I think that isn't Wayward Pines also renewed for a third season? Maybe it it's already done the speed two of getting rid of its main star and bringing in Jason Patrick. Always a good sign, but I I can harp on that another time, and I probably will. This is this is kind of interesting just in the sense of it got canceled and it wasn't very long before they said, no, it's done, done. Don't start up write-up campaigns and online petitions and things like that to see if it'll get picked up by Netflix or Hulu. It's over. And that's kind of... I, I appreciate that in a way. Because so many things, it's, oh, the show's gone. Internet must rise up and fix this injustice. Uh, still haven't gotten Firefly back, but we have to get all these other or shows. back from On Walking Dead. Yeah, just come on back. Bring it. Someone else step up and save this. And it's like, well, you know, maybe we're working on making our own programs right now. And um, Netflix has saved a lot of shows. Uh, Hulu saved Mini Project. It, it's okay that they're doing that, but maybe concentrating on new things that weren't on network TV that couldn't be done on network TV kind of helps them stand apart a little bit more. Otherwise, it's just the also-ran. It's like, here's the things that didn't succeed there, and we'll save them over here, but what are we really doing to prove that we can make content? And 
I think what Netflix has shown is that it's making incredible content that you wouldn't see on CBS or NBC. So they shouldn't be the first choice of, you know, hey, we just lost something and there's a lot of us who like it and we feel like it got a, a bad deal. It's fine I got a bad deal. That happens to shows all the time. That's happened to shows for my entire life in 44 years. Sometimes good shows just go away. You know, you don't get a, a perfect ending. You don't get a, a clean break from it. It just happens, and it's abrupt, and it's unfair. And that's like life. You know, I had a cat run over once. It sucked. Wasn't prepared for it. Couldn't handle it. But then I moved on. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, sometimes you look at shows that get saved and come back, and you you can sort of tell that the the writers had already moved on themselves in a way, so it comes back and they're like, well, what do we do now? Sort of deal. Looking at Heroes Reborn. Um, oh, in, Lord. In that instance. <laughs> um, no, I think the writers came back and did exactly what they were doing before, and that was why Heroes Reborn was such a shit show. Yeah. Um, but no, I get it. I, I think that there's there's an amount of do I have more to say about this? Is everybody interested in coming back? Are we losing people? Can we get the whole group back together and are they all excited? Are we in the same place as we were before or have some of us moved on? And has the audience moved on? And, and sometimes the audience is, is fickle enough. It's like, oh, we really want this. I really want this. And then it doesn't really work out. Uh, yeah. God, what was the Bluths on Netflix? Oh, uh, Arrested Development. Arrested Development. I loved Arrested Development. I watched it as it was airing. I was the the one of ten people who watched that show live <laughs> as it was on Fox, and I still haven't made it to the fourth season on Netflix. I just, it felt like, I felt like I needed to go back and watch all the seasons again to jump into it, and then what I heard was so lackluster and so different from what the show had been before that it hasn't filled me with excitement to go back and watch it. So maybe I just enjoy the memories of yeah. that show where it was. Yeah. No, exactly. And then the third bit of news is from Birth Movies Death, and that is that The Rock is Doc Savage. Yes. Complete with a picture of him from the rundown. <laughs> Which is a really good rock movie. It is. That's, it is. That's the first movie that I saw with the rock. I was like, oh, this guy's a lot of fun. I could enjoy this. Uh, I would like to see him more films. And then I watched the G.I. Joe sequel the other night, and I was like, okay, maybe a little less of the rock now. <laughs> Although I think more of that movie was less of Bruce Willis and more Adrian Palicki because she's. Nice. Um, do you know anything about Doc Savage? Um, I know that his real name is Clark. Doc yes. Clark um, so at some point, the son of Superman is going to fight the son of Doc Savage. And as they're at war with each other, one of them is going to beat the other one down. And then he's going to say, Clark. And he'll go, why do you know that name? <laughs> and freak out, and it'll cause a connection, and that'll make everything better. No, um, Clark Savage, uh, the Doc Savage character, is sort of the precursor to Superman. 
came out a couple years before Superman did, has a lot of similarities, not just the name, but he was the Man of Bronze versus the Man of Steel. Uh, he was kind of the the perfected human as opposed to an alien. He has a Fortress of Solitude in the Arctic. So a lot of things that we kind of associate with Superman now started out with this character in pulp novels. And he's long existed and just never had the the moment of, oh, cool, you know, I want to go see Doc Savage or I want to read Doc Savage comics or books or whatever. It just hasn't worked out. So getting someone like Dwayne Johnson to play the character I think is a big deal. But Johnson's doing a lot of characters that, you know, he's he's in the remake of Big Trouble in Little China um, he's in the remake of Baywatch. Yeah, he's he, in, <clears throat> he's uh, Black Adam in the Shazam movie. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm not saying that we're we're gonna see a burnout of The Rock, but I do kind of wonder if him launching all these characters, if they're gonna kind of blend into each other a little bit. Uh, the other thing about this, we talked a couple weeks ago about Kevin Smith wanting to do a Buckaroo Banzai TV series. Mm-hmm. The way that Doc Savage, Doc Savage is described is not dissimilar from what I remember of Buckaroo Banzai, which is just really fucking weird stuff. Um, a, a cast of characters that's built up around him. It, it's kind of evocative of, to me, some of the same ideas. Now, I haven't read a lot of Doc Savage stuff either, but that's kind of the image that I get from it. And The Rock has got that charm and sense of humor and he's able to laugh at himself. Uh, Matt Vincent talked about that on one of the episodes of the podcast that Terry was on. He was like, you know, he gets it. He's in on the joke. You know, he understands that sometimes that you're allowed to be funny. You can be mm-hmm. the big, cool action star and be tough and be the guy that all the guys want to compare themselves to, but you can still laugh and you can still have a good time. And I think that's, that's where, why the guy gets so much success. Yeah, and that's why he has the ability to film ballers on HBO in between all these movies, and then <clears throat> excuse me, and then pop in when it's WrestleMania season over in the WWE just to say, oh hey, here here's the attendance record for this stadium and whatnot, and not and. And, I mean, he's still in the peak of his physical conditioning. It's like he could come back and do another run in the WWE if he wanted to, but no, he's going to be big, Mr. Big Movie Guy, and it's sort of like, all right, then get the fuck out of wrestling sort of deal. Sorry. <laughs> My opinion spewing over here. Yeah, you know, hey, I ex-wrestlers, what you need to be doing is going and making a sex tape and suing Gawker for $10 million. Uh the other thing about this movie is it's from Shane Black, and Shane yeah. Black just did The Nice Guys, did Iron Man 3, so has done a billion-dollar franchise movie for Marvel at some point, uh, did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is one of my favorite kind of weird off-the-wall films, also with Robert Downey Jr. and Vel Kilmer. So Black is someone whose voice I think would be very fun for this. I would think like a Shane Black or Guy Ritchie would be the the choice yeah. of you know who's gonna do this kind of thing. And I just watched 
Guy Ritchie's Man from Uncle the other night. I can't say I was super into it, but I I don't think that I was necessarily in quite the mood for what the move was movie was as I watched it, and I wouldn't mind watching it again. Uh, it was also interesting that it had two guys who have either played Superman or were at one point chosen to play Superman in the two leads in it. Be that as it may, yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun. My dad talked to me a few years ago about reading some Doc Savage stuff, and he was telling me about it on a phone call, and it was one of those things that I think I wanted to get into and just still haven't had the chance to pick up, but maybe now I will. Yeah. Um, so that's it for the news, and now it's on to nerding out. And this one is here at the Galactic Netcast. My nerding out is a little bit of a of a controversial thing here, because this is the new. I'm going to talk about the the first episode for the new series of Top Gear, and I am saying series because this is the a British TV show, and they say season or instead of seasons, they're series. Um, but this is the new one with Matt LeBlanc and Chris Evans, not Captain America Chris Evans, um, presenting this along with five other people. And according to some hosts slash producers who will Renee, who will not remain nameless, because uh, I will call them out on it, it was Beatmaster, Beatmaster and, um, and Daryl from Who News and Reviews, both didn't like this uh, this this incarnation of Top Gear, and I will back them up by not personally, but saying a lot of the internet did not seem yeah. to enjoy this, and 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 that's understandable, because I saw and I don't remember where I saw the article, but there was an article saying that this first episode of Top Gear, which I think filmed on Wednesday, um, took a lot longer to film than a typical Top Gear episode would. And that, um, and it was, and a lot of the parts that were, were being messed up were um, the introduction of the Stig and that their guest who was going to be in didn't show up. So they had to get a guest at the last minute. So they got both Gordon Ramsay and, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, Jesse Eisenberg, also beloved internet figure. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to... It has promise. I will say that. Um, I did enjoy this. I did laugh at the the moments in there um, that you were supposed to laugh at. What season of the show is this? This is season... Or series 23. What number? 23, Michael Jordan. 23. So we're talking about a group of guys taking over a show that was run by another trio of, of guys who've all moved on. So maybe not expecting them to be at the polished level of these other's hosts going into the first episode, maybe that makes a little bit of sense? Yes. Yeah, you, you definitely would want to do that because, I mean... This has, in in my opinion, this has the, it has all the ingredients to be a great seri- series of Top Gear. Um, You know, they got the cars. Beatmaster did, me and Beat were talking about this before Corey got on and before we started the show, that he felt like it was, since they had Matt LeBlanc, 
or as the host, as one of the hosts, that it, <clears throat> excuse me, that it was a little bit too pandering to American audiences. And I see that point, but I don't agree with that point because it was still a very much a UK show. Um, you have, like, because they, they start out with that, but then they go to um, a film that Chris Evans made in Nevada about the Dodge Viper and then the and then a Corvette, complete with Michigan license plates, by the way. Um, I had to, I saw that I'm like those are Michigan plates, <laughs> um, and like and that was the first film and I'm like, and I see that but it's like it, it was one of those things like if they moved it and like later on you wouldn't have thought the, thought that it's just because they open up the show and then they go all right here's our American host Matt LeBlanc because you know he's the big name. You know, Chris Evans is big in in uh, the UK as a presenter. Um, uh, like I think I think he's a radio presenter. Um, and, and then and he he has on stuff for Channel Four as well. And then Matt LeBlanc is internationally known because of Friends, because of episodes, um, not because of Joey. <laughs> no, because of the character Joey, but not because of the TV show right. Joey. <laughs> And what was the show that he was on? Like he was, he did some spinoff from Married with Children, that was really bad. I don't remember. Wow. Um. But I honestly say, with this show, give it time, because, the, and like even with the challenge, it wasn't. If you're gonna go into this, because they had a a challenge film in there, and if you think, oh, it's gonna be, we're gonna have the ribbing and all that stuff that we that we got from Clarkson, Hammond, and May. No, this is more their their buddies doing uh like bet you my uh, Reliant Adam can get up to or not wasn't was it Reliant Adam? Yeah, a Reliant Adam can get from London to Blackpool before yours can. Like all right, and that's basically what it was. And I mean, so it, it it was all good. Um, they didn't make it their own. Um, I I will say I am gonna give it a couple a couple of episodes before I say oh I'm not gonna watch this anymore, or it becomes a well if I don't have anything else to watch then I'll watch this sort of deal. But I I do think there's some good there's a good foundation here anyways. And of course the show that the original guys are going over to is going to be starting on Amazon soon. Yes, starting on Amazon in the autumn. Yep. Sorry, but you not, know, and... the internet is notoriously good at uh, accepting change from things that are beloved, like Ghostbusters, for instance. <laughs> no one has blown up at all about the idea that maybe they're doing something different with some different actors or actresses in the film. Yeah. I have no, I, what could you possibly be talking about there? I think um, I said what I was talking about. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, though, I feel like a lot of the people who are complaining, and I'm 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 not gonna say like beaten. This is that beaten Daryl's impression because you know they're older, they're a lot wiser. I'm gonna give them that one that they're wiser um, than me. So 
yeah, maybe maybe the show is crap, and I'm just like, hey, it's a motoring show. I like this. Well, and remember how you felt when you saw the American version of the show before? It's way better than the American version. Right. So, I, I mean, that's one thing. It's a comparison. But it was a show that you had enjoyed one way, and then you saw this other version of it, and you're like, well, that's a bunch of crap. Uh, I think Daryl compared it to the Australian version. Yeah. And said it's better than that. So, I mean, obviously, if you have an expectation of your program and then you see it done in a different way and it doesn't meet your expectations, you're going to feel a little let down by that. You're going to feel like, well, maybe this is no longer for me. Now, the question is, is when you go over to this new program that has those same old guys on it, is it going to meet your expectations instead? Well, yeah. Because and, just because it's the same cast doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same show. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to go back to these things. And so I, I want to, because you just reminded me of something else. And so th there are the differences. Um, they, they kept the stick. They, and they did have, and like I mentioned before, they did make jokes about, you know, the fact that they're not the original hosts, you know, there, that there was Hammond Clarkson and May before, before them. And, and so it, it makes me wonder if the grand tour, we're going to see them do the news segment. If, um, they, they did change up star and a reasonably priced car. It's now star in a rally car. Um, which was cool. It was cool to see that because, you know, they're, they actually did like a rally course, um, which is very interesting, uh, very interesting concept to see. Um, could they have gotten better guests for the first one? Yeah, but I think they were going to. I think it was. I think it was Brad Pitt who was going to be the first guest, but stuff fell through. Sort of deal. Um, hold on. Uh, there's that sneeze that's been going on for an hour. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and something to keep in mind is way back in the day, there was this poor guy who came onto a show that was established by another host, and he had to come in and slowly make changes and slowly get the audience to build up and warm up to him, and that guy was Jon Stewart. On the I was just going to say, I'm still trying to build the audience, Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah because... <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this wasn't your show from the very beginning. So, John had to go through it with Craig Kilborn. Now, Trevor Noah is having to do it with John's audience. And John, obviously, was there for a lot longer and really built the show into something specific to what he wanted to be. Trevor's having to go through that in his first season still. And sometimes it's just never going to be the same. It's not. And you shouldn't expect it to be. But you have to kind of decide, is this new show good enough for you, or do you want to move on to something else? And everybody gets to make that decision for themselves. So if Top Gear doesn't gather the audience, either the existing audience or a new audience, then it'll go away. you know. But if you spend all your time comparing it to something that doesn't and can't exist anymore, you're not necessarily giving it a fair chance. Um, but if you just know, if you just look at it and say, no, I'm not enjoying this 
for whatever reason, you're not wrong. You know, you shouldn't just force yourself to watch something that you don't have fun with. But like yeah. Gregor's saying, if you give it a couple episodes to see how it warms up, maybe that's a little bit better than just giving up from, from the get-go. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, I could see the films, like, when they do a challenge, because typically, if you go by the Top Gear, how it's been in the past, there's, like, a one big trip thing, like, you know, like, like the Bolivia special or the India special or, you know, that they do where it's just that film. And that's generally where you see the banter of the hosts. If, if they're doing that in this season or series of Top Gear, then I th- I think that would be the true test of uh, is this show going to have, is, does this show have legs where it's going to walk, it's going to be able to walk on its own merit and not have to rely on the old guard sort of deal. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm still going to be checking it out and I will probably also be subscribing to Amazon Prime before the autumn so that I will I can watch the Grand Tour as well. Yeah. Um, so, Corey, your pick sounds like the beginning of a joke. <laughs> it does. Um, I picked up on this. i got to give credit where it's due. Ron Richards mentioned this comic uh, in a tweet, I think, which populates into his Facebook feed. Uh, Ron obviously works for iFanboy and uh, is is a very well-known reviewer of comics. So when he says... To work over at Image. Well, yes, and, uh, and other things. When he says, oh, this book just came out and I think it's terrific, and I didn't know anything about this title, I was like, okay, yeah, I should, I should, should listen to Ron and see what he's going on about. Now, I'm not saying all of our tastes are exactly the same, but in this case, Ron recommended a book from Black Mask uh, Studios, who is not one of the larger publishers. In fact, my comic shop had to order this special because another employee there had said, oh, I really want this book. And uh, Kathy, the owner, is like, oh, well, I skip that one, so let me see if I can get some copies in. And I was fortunate enough to grab one of those copies uh, because I requested it too all of a sudden. She's like, okay, good. And then I ordered it correctly. Um, this is called Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. And it is by Matthew Rosenberg, who's the writer, and Tyler Boss, who is the illustrator. I don't know what to tell you about this comic that really is going to make a lot of sense other than referencing some other things. Now, this book, the art style, the writing style, the the storytelling is very much akin to the Hawkeye book from a couple years ago by Matt Fraction and the Superior Foes of Spider-Man book uh, written by Nick Spencer, uh, who obviously is on a end of a shitstorm right now himself thanks to the new Steve Rogers book. But this I I don't know that it necessarily owes a lot to them because it's not a superhero title but it is that kind of storytelling and I felt the beats and the narration and the way the characters kind of interact and stuff was so similar to those books which is a high compliment because those have been two of my favorite titles from the last couple of years. Yeah. 
the here's here's the um the blurb that they give you on Amazon, which will again we'll have the link in the show notes. Um, a fun-ish crime caper about children. Eleven-year-old Paige and her weirdo friends have a problem. A gang of ex-cons need her dad's help on a heist. The problem is those ex-cons are morons. If Paige wants to keep her dad out of trouble, she's going to have to pull off the heist herself. Like Wes Anderson remaking Reservoir Dogs, four kids walking, four kids walking to a bank, is a very dark and moderately humorous story about friendship, growing up, D&D, puking, skinheads, grand larceny, and family. Yeah, and all of that stuff is in this first issue. Uh, the the characters are Paige. There's Walter, who is very quiet and shy. Uh, their friend Stretch, who is the game master of the D&D game that opens up the story. Uh, they're each playing characters in a role-playing setting. Uh, Paige is actually playing Sir Manly, a huge knight of bravery. Walter is playing a female elf, and their their sort of foil, uh, Berger, is playing a an ogre named Crotch the Sticky, and <laughs> Crotch the Sticky may be the greatest character of all time next to Berger himself. So the storyline starts out with them playing D&D, and then, yeah, like you said, they are about to go out to get ice cream with Paige's father and this group of basically, like I was saying about Guy Ritchie, something straight out of, not necessarily Reservoir Dogs, I would think more out of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, uh, these guys come in, try to grab Paige's father away, and the kids essentially defend the house as these guys are walking in the place. Um, one of the guys punches Paige in the eye, and Berger shoots the guy with a slingshot and his figurine for his uh, character from the D&D game. And they just they fend them off. They stop these dudes from the home invasion and from taking Paige's dad and basically tell them, you know, there's two ways this can go. One, you can kick our ass and you're near a bunch of assholes who kicked a bunch of kids' asses. Or two, even worse, we could kick your ass and how are you going to look then? <laughs> um, but as soon as everything's finished up, uh, Walter, who's just like always mumbling and always quiet and shy... Like, all the kids are like, cool, cool, cool. And then Walter throws up, and it's this orange spout that comes out of him. And the uh, the onomatopoeia balloon that comes out of it says Fanta, because it's orange Fanta that he's just puking up. And it's it's that kind of stuff that reminds me, especially of Superior Foes, of um, the way that the characters work. Paige is awesome. She's the leader of this group. She's a total badass, but they even state that the first time she ever throws a punch is the following day, and we go into that scene with some kids at school. They uh, meet up with the the bad guys again, who wind up giving them a ride home as sort of an apology and a peace offering to Paige's dad. It's just so good. It's, it's so well done. I don't want to just describe every scene in the book, but it's it's got a fantastic voice. The artwork is 
very good, suitable. Like I said, like those other two books. If you've read anything um, from Fraction in particular, I think you will enjoy this. And Spencer's more kind of crime noir stuff is um, is a great thing in comparison. So yeah, I think this is a five issue miniseries as scheduled. Uh, I'm gonna read the shit out of this series and whatever these guys do to follow it up, I think I'm going to kind of follow them around a little bit because uh, this is terrific. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it sounds great. I already have it bookmarked. I'm going to try to get that on Friday as well with uh, with Preacher Volume 1. So I can read that so we can continue on a project. I've got like four projects lined up for either here or the Elsinerds YouTube channel to use with Galactic Netcasts that I'm in love with right now. But that's neither here nor there. Um, because now, I believe it's time we should talk about our big discussion topic. And that this week is the Berlanti-verse uh, sh- of shows. So we're talking Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl. Yep. Now, so this is season four of Arrow, season two of Flash, and the first seasons for both uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. Supergirl yes. being a show that was separate from this universe until it wasn't. Yeah. So, and they did have the crossover episode of The Flash onto Supergirl. Yeah, that was but, the first signs of a caveat of like, hey, remember how we told you that these don't really involve themselves with each other and Supergirls in our own universe? Maybe we led you astray. Yeah. So... Where do you um, want to start? We, we, well, we already talked about Supergirl. We did talk a little bit about Supergirl. Um, in, the, in the betas. So real quick, just real quick, what did you think of the season overall for Supergirl? I love the character of Kara, of Supergirl. I grew to like her, her secondary characters, the cast around her, uh, be it Wynn. Jimmy's... Okay, I'm still not 100% on Jimmy just because he's so different from Jimmy Olsen as I know and love the character. Yeah. Um, and I would... I mean, they replaced Jimmy, Jimmy's character with Wynn, which is okay, but I just kind of... I like that version of Jimmy Olsen. The other thing is that this show does something that the other... Berlanti shows have done when they come out, which is they start the character with the unrequited love interest. Yeah. You know, Oliver, it was Laurel, and trying to get them together uh, felt really forced and felt ugly in the way that they did it a number of times, and then they were just like, well, fuck it, we're giving up on this. Uh, Flash, it's it's been Iris, and while I don't have as many problems with how they did that, it's just... It's a hard thing to start a show with that being so much of the the presence of the characters. This character is pretty much here just to be the the potential love interest for the the lead. And they did that with Jimmy and Kara is that Kara has two guys who who both seem to really like her, but one of them she's got the major crush on and he's got a relationship with her cousin, Superman. She, he's in a relationship with Lois Lane's sister, Lucy, 
and yet there's still this back and forth between them, and when is the ducky in the situation, for lack of a better term. Uh, so I, I don't love that that's, that seems to be a trope between their shows. Otherwise, uh, Cat Grant grew on me immensely as the show went on, and that's not just a, you know, a thing about the actress. It was just that character has never been a favorite character of mine. I've never seen her portrayed particularly well. I've never been a fan of her in the comics. But the way that they used her in this, I think, improved over time as we got into more of her personality behind the veil. Uh, it was better. Kara's sister is good, but they they do so many things with this. Like, here's the the foundation or whatever that is going to give you missions and you know, kind of fight against you, but fight for you at the same time. That all works in some ways and doesn't work in other ways. Uh, the introduction of of Hank being secretly John Jones was terrific. <laughs> that was a great bit of misdirection by giving us somebody who should be playing the villain uh, and goes from feeling like the the villain for the season to being completely blindsided with the fact that he's actually another hero, a big-name hero that was a great surprise to have in the series. Yeah. I don't love all the Kryptonian stuff. It's just like a thousand Zods seems like that would have been harder to defeat. Yeah. Now, you brought up... You actually just mentioned something here, and it made me curious. Do you say John Jones or Jean Jones? Uh I've always said John Jones because that's how I read it before I heard someone pronounce it on TV. Yeah. Uh, it's like Rachel Ghoul or Raz Al Ghoul. The way that Stephen Amell pronounces Raz is probably what a lot of us thought the name was when we read the comics growing up in the 70s and 80s. It wasn't until they started calling him Raish in the animated series of Batman in the 90s that yeah. anybody realized, oh, well, that must be how his name's pronounced. So now we're all sticklers for it. And so when we hear the Raz come up, we're like, oh, no, no, Steven, you you poor simpleton. Uh, obviously, you don't understand that this guy's name is pronounced completely differently. No, uh, he he read it on paper like most of us did, and we just were hoity-toity now. Yeah. Well, because that's how I was. I heard it, because I heard it first on Justice League, where uh, um, Hot Girl would say John Jones. So I'm like, it's always just been John Jones to me, but yeah, it's... Actually, no. for me, I thought it was John Johns for the yeah. longest time. So again, getting that thing pronounced out loud. It was like when I met R.A. Salvador, and he pronounced Dritzt like Dritzt, as opposed to Drizzt, which... Some people think it's one way, some people think the other. A girl actually corrected someone else on the pronunciation before he showed up, and then he came up and he's like, this is the way the name's spelled, and that girl just kind of slunk down in her seat. Uh, <laughs> but I felt for her. I, I completely understood where she was coming from, because you don't know until the person who created it tells you. Unless uh, that person is the person who, who, who said it's pronounced Jif, <laughs> is a total freaking idiot. <laughs> Go back to John Dor. Um, yeah, I mean, as a guy who does a comic book called Bowyar, and yeah. that thing, thing 
can be pronounced so many different ways. Levi has said it's pronounced however you want to pronounce it. You know, yeah. he doesn't. He's not a stickler of it. So I think that's the right attitude to take. But mm-hmm. when you hear it from the the person who says it, who made it, or who is at least in charge of the the property, then you kind of you want to run with it at that point. You want to look yeah. a little bit. But I still call. Mark Miller, Mark Millar, because fuck you, Mark Miller. <laughs> just, I think that's Wait, what your name it, should be said. Is it Mark Miller? Yeah, it's Mark Miller. It's not Millar. It's not like a, a balloon. See, here's the thing. I'm the same way. Yeah. But you, why would you spell it with an A? I don't yeah. know, asshole. Why would you spell Corey with an E? Or a C, <laughs> for that matter. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm a hit girl. You do. You do. <laughs> But no, um, sorry, I just reminded myself when I brought up the whole uh, GIF, GIF thing, the last Wednesday's episode of At Midnight, which was so freaking infuriating, that they pulled the Walking Dead ending on us. Because they had um, Will Wheaton, Robert Kirkman, and uh, Jonah Ray on there. Uh, do, do you watch At Midnight anymore? Or? No, I haven't watched it in a long time. Okay, so they pulled... Um, they, well, Kirkman pulled his shenanigans again, and he, he, he revealed that... And there are air quotes around there for the audio listeners, that Carl dies by the hands of Negan. Been a perfect moment for you to do a spit take since you were drinking. <laughs> um, but... But before that, they do... Um, Carl can't die, because he's actually in the house. He's been in the house <laughs> on the farm this whole time. He listened, finally. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, before Sitting that... in the house eating pudding. Yeah. <laughs> but before that, they had the... Uh, there was a moment where Chris goes on this rant about how it's pronounced J- or GIF and not JIF. And all that because it's it's graphical user interface, not graphical. And all all this time, Will Wheaton, who's good friends with Chris, is just like Jif, or he's he's just correcting him. He's like, no, because it's a oh god, he went on this whole thing. And they they he would so Chris for the rest of the show pronounced the if it was a hard G like 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 GIF, he would pronounce it Jif for through all of it. It was hilarious. Well, choosy mothers choose JPEGs, actually. Fuck GIFs. <laughs> there we go. All right, so anyways, back to the Berlantiverse. Um, so, Flash, I enjoyed. Um, I loved the twists and turns. Um, but I am curious more for you because you're... Because we come, I come at this from a different angle than you do because you're a writer and I'm not. Um... So, did you see these things coming beforehand? Yes. Uh, okay. There are things that I see telescoped, and I don't know. I mean, I can't call myself a writer until I fucking do something more with it. But <laughs> I, more of a writer than I am. As a person who watches and dissects story a lot, and and has seen a lot of these shows happen, you just kind of get to see the patterns. So I knew that. Barry's father was going to die pretty much from the beginning of the episode where he died in. Uh, it, it just was painted so obviously, especially the sort of 
they started building the romance between him and the Doctor from the original Flash TV series, which is great. It's great to have these moments, but you could kind of say, see, oh, they're giving him his send-off. And then as soon as he did die, I'm like, well, then he's the guy in the mask, and he's going to be Jay Garrick. Because the whole time waiting for the guy in the mask, you were thinking it was either going to be you know, Robbie Amell as the original Firestorm guy or uh, Eddie Thawne, because yeah. it would be nice to have that actor get to come back to the show. Uh, they keep bringing back uh, Tom Cavanaugh in one way or another to continue it. But it just seems so obvious to me as as the, it kept happening. I'm like, Earth 2 isn't like Earth 2 at all. Earth 2 seems more like Earth 3 because all the the heroes are villains over on that Earth. Everybody's the polar opposite. And that's not what Earth 2 is like. So it seems to me that this is Earth 3 and we're missing the Jay Garrick Earth 2. And I couldn't see them making Jay Garrick just be this villain and yeah. be this like persona that Zoom made up. So it, it just felt like these things have to fall into place. This is going to happen. Uh, now, that's that's pretty broad, and that's not the entirety of the show. So there were things that, you know, they they did do to surprise. I wasn't totally surprised by Barry going back in time at the end to kind of fix things, and Flashpoint seems like a thing that kind of has to happen in the show anyways. I'm very it interested to see what Flashpoint does to the entirety of the Berlantiverse. Yeah. The Flashpoint, sort to me, seems like it's sort of the thing that will happen to bring in Supergirl into the universe. Supergirl, yes, but I don't think it's the only thing. And this is kind of a... This is an issue of contention for me, is that how much can Flash do that affects shows that aren't Flash. So we just lost, for instance, Laurel on mm -hmm. Green Arrow. Now they brought the other Laurel from Earth, technically Earth 2, but really Earth 3, over as a villain, and they've got her locked up. But this is a way to bring Laurel back. Uh, this is a way to maybe fix Laurel so that she was always Black Canary and maybe make her feel a little bit more like a fixture of Star City. This is a way to fix some of the Ollie Felicity stuff that maybe some fans aren't enjoying as much. All of these things that can be kind of undone. We lost Snart on Legends of Tomorrow. We do have the opportunity to bring in Supergirl as a member of their universe as opposed to an extended universe thing. That it's a lot of stuff that can happen to to fix things for the writers who've either written themselves in corners or did this purposely, knowing that this was going to be a fix for that down the road. Yeah. I'm not sure. But if I'm the team from Arrow, be it the writers or the actors or whoever, I'm going to be a little disappointed that Arrow's whole new status quo relies on something that happens in another show. Unless they start next season with a essentially a multi-part sort of extended movie storyline between Which, all the shows. And didn't they talk about doing something like that? They definitely talked about having all the storylines, having all the shows cross over. 
But I would have that be the starting point to lay the groundwork for Supergirl, for Arrow, for Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. If they bring those other two shows, Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow, in later, mm-hmm. then at least giving us something to start out with, with Flash and Arrow, and have them lead to this crossover to start them up, but showing how the changes in the universe have happened from Flashpoint. I would get that. I would, uh, I would kind of be into it. But it's still, that's what I'm kind of curious as to what's going to happen. This season was a mix of ups and downs. I really didn't love how they used Caitlyn in this season. I think that she deserves better. But I did like getting to see uh, Danielle play Killer Frost. Yeah. Um, I love what they've done with Cisco on the show. But he's kind of been my character on the show the whole time. He's Flash's Felicity, except they didn't fuck him up by putting him in a relationship with Barry and <laughs> causing all this stupid pseudo-drama the whole time to make her or him less enjoyable. Um, I love the new version of Harrison Wells. I like Jesse. I like the new Wally. I don't have the problems with Iris that the internet seems to, but I do understand that Iris' storylines are so tertiary to what is actually happening, and the only thing that seems to matter for her character as far as the rest of the stuff is when she's put in peril and Barry has to save her. At the same time, Barry saves everybody. He saves dads. He saves sisters and brothers and girlfriends and boyfriends and everything else. So it's not like that's the only thing. But it is kind of like, why did you put her in here if that's all she gets to do? Yeah. You know, I was very happy with Patty mm-hmm. as love interest, and I didn't love the fact that that just kind of ended to move on to this thing. Uh, I I wish that character would have stung around more. I like the actress as well. But overall, I mean, I can't say that there's much else to this. At least they utilized Linda later on after they had their breakup. We got to bring her back and give her some fun moments. And that's a great thing about these shows, I will say, is that they utilize the actors who have been on here in fun ways, even after they've officially left or their character has died or whatever, they bring in new ways to bring them back and let them be around again. And that's that's cool. And that's something you can only really pull off by having four different TV shows that you can yeah. kind of pull back and forth from. No, yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Flash. Um, I loved the episode where he was in the Speed Force. And, and I, I think the episode after that, where you saw this like really optimistic Barry, it to me was almost like Barry found a, a blue lantern ring. Yeah, and, let's let's talk about that because that's look at all of the season finales or around the season finales, and they all give the same message. They all talk about hope. Yeah. Ollie gives his inspiring speech to the city as Oliver, not as the arrow or green arrow. Uh, Barry goes through his moment of clarity of like, everything's going to be okay. And why is everybody down on me for being so hopeful? Um, 
and then goes to a dark place after that. Supergirl's whole last episode was about bringing the hope back to people. Actually, several episodes were about that, and it makes sense because of that's how her character is played out. And even Legends of Tomorrow had that thing of, like, we're, we're fighting for hope. We have to inspire hope in, in the world and the people as we're doing this. And the fact that all of their lives were kind of put into this motion of these things have to happen and we're we're projecting it on you. So everything you're doing, you're doing because we made you do it, uh, giving them more control over themselves, that changes the outcome of it. Yeah. So that it seemed like a pretty heavy theme, and I don't know if that was just that was naturally done or if that was an answer to the complaints that people have about the DC film universe or what, but it seemed really like drilling it in there that that's, that's what it was all about. Yeah. Part of me would like to think that it was that, that it was a little bit like, hey, we're not the movie universe sort of deal. So, I mean, Oliver's was light against dark, and he's like, yeah. well, I'm a dark character, so I can't really bring this out of myself. I'm not going to be able to do this. But all the people gathering behind him and, and giving him that light and that hope made it work. Yeah. And a little heavy-handed, a <laughs> little silly, but the amount of times they said it was like, it was like, okay, you've drilled it in enough. I, I get what you're doing. Can we back down a little bit on this and maybe have something actually happen? The last couple of seasons of Dexter on Showtime, Dexter started talking about his his dark companion or some some wording for the the bad part of him that wants to be a serial killer and he has to fight it off to be a good guy who's still a serial killer but kills other serial killers. And so he keeps calling it this thing, and he used the phrase so much that Aaron and I, if either of us were really drinkers, we would turn it into a drinking game, and we would have died. <laughs> uh, it, just, it was repeated like five times in an episode, and we're like, all right, shit, come on. You know, he can't just keep saying that word. Like, it's not ridiculous. Just yeah. stop it at this point. But this is season, like, six or seven of Dexter when it had already gone off the rails after season four. Yeah. Um, but no, so I mean, that, that Legends of Tomorrow was really good too. I'm, I'm, I'm really hit on Legends just because we got to wrap it up here. I um, just gonna say, Legends, man, I wanted it to be better. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, I think a lot of the season had bad villains. Uh, Legends did. I like the guy who played Damien Dark a lot, but the whole motivation of everything was just so dumb and I'm as much as I love you know Captain Jack I am sick to death of Malcolm Merlin continuing to be a part of the show yeah at this point it's just so stupid Zoom's motivation was terrible on on Flash I mean it was it was okay for a while the guy baking being Jay was was at least somewhat interesting because Zoom himself was a dullard yeah but I can't handle another season of me against a guy who wants to steal my speed. Uh, that's That's been played out enough. And Supergirl's villains, like I said, once her aunt died, it was just, why are we even dealing with Kryptonians anymore? You got yeah. rid of the most interesting conflict 
of the show by killing her aunt, and now it's her aunt's boy toy and fake brainiac. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. Um, sorry, I'm eating a jungle or jungle gummy candy things. That's They're, wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, I, th- oh, I, I, I go ahead. Arrow. Arrow. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I might be done with Arrow again. <laughs> I, I made a. I made a vow to get through the end of the season, which I couldn't do last season. The show is just so bad. The show is just so terrible. You've said that though, like two two years ago. You said that last season I quit partway through the season, and I got talked back into it both by the producers and writers who said they were going to fix things and make it a lot more enjoyable, and the characters were going to start to have fun and and everything else. That lasted for about four episodes. And then it went goddamn stupid real fast. And Felicity lost use of her legs for like a blip in time and got them back just in time to walk out on Oliver. It was such a fucking mess. And like I I could I couldn't see how I was even watching it anymore. Everything about the flashbacks were so tacked on and horrible. Like, nobody likes the flashbacks on the show. Uh-huh. And everybody just says, why don't you get rid of the flashbacks? And everybody's like, no, no, no. The flashbacks, we're going to keep with those. Uh, yeah, because, they're su- because they make them make sense at in the season finale. But they or, didn't. It doesn't it, make any sense. Yeah. It's still just like, we didn't need any of that. It brought nothing to it. Other than the moment with Constantine in the flashback, and then bringing him into the show proper anyways... That was the only part that was enjoyable about the the entire storyline. And then we're dealing with the fact that um, Amanda Waller exists in the memories but got killed stupidly. Like, I'm supposed to buy it that Amanda Waller just randomly gets shot uh, by some lameoid guy who breaks into her building. Apparently, yeah. no no security works at all in the Arrow universe. Uh, and everybody in, in Flash's Star Labs just leaves the door open, too. But it's just... It was so horrendous. The whole season was just awful. John and his brother, like, oh, man, Andy, I can't believe you're alive. You're a dick. And, but you're my brother and I love you and, oh no, you just got Laura killed. You're a dick again and I killed you and I can't deal with it so I'm going to go join the army now and leave my wife and kid. Really? Yeah. Like, the best characters on the show, they've, they've practically just shat upon. And Boy. the only thing that made me laugh and and smile throughout most of the season was the... The Michael Holt character, the the new Mr. Terrific. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll just fuck that up unless they launch him into another program. Yeah. I don't know. I I see everything you're saying there, and it's making me think, oh, yeah. Gosh, that's right. That's the right. Reddit, the subreddit for Green Arrow said that the show was so awful that they changed it to be a subreddit about the Daredevil TV series. <laughs> They just completely abandoned 
Greer. Do they really? All the, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and Stephen Amell talks about like people on the internet and people on Twitter are are pretty shitty to the show. And I agree. You know, they're they're shitty to actors and actresses, especially because you know people didn't like how they portrayed Laurel. Yeah, that's the writers portraying Laurel. That's not the actress. You put her in a shitty role. She's doing her job by playing a shitty part as they require her to. The Felicity relationship with Oliver is bullshit melodrama, but that's because that's what they think the show should be, and it's not the actor or the actress's fault. So, again, don't blow up at the wrong things. If the show is bad, the show is bad. But it's not like these actors and actresses are suddenly bad because the writing went bad. If you enjoyed them in the first couple of seasons and you don't enjoy them now, it's not like they suddenly forgot how to act. Uh, and so sending them hate mail and death threats and talking shit on IMDb or on podcasts uh, is not accomplishing anything. Uh, you want to tell the writers to do a better show, stop watching the show. And exactly. give it up to the Redditors for taking a stand and taking the right stand, I think. It's yeah. like, we don't like Arrow at this point, but we really like Daredevil. Let's talk about Daredevil. There we go. Um, so the only thing that's left to say is, hey, we have a Patreon um, over at uh, patreon.com slash galacticnetcasts. And this is basically, we're not asking you to make, send us money so that we can make money and we can quit our jobs, because mainly because it all goes to Dave, but also because... It's, that's not what we're wanting to do. We're just wanting to keep keep the keep the lights on here. Yeah, keep, let's keep let's float. let's be clarification on that. Is it doesn't go to Dave, Dave. It goes to the things that Dave has been paying for out of his pocket while unemployed for a long time. Yeah. While moving to another country, getting married, doing all these things, Dave has struggled and sacrificed to keep Galactic Netcast on track by making shows, by producing shows by making a place for all of us to get to do our shows. And all he's asking for is the help to, you know, pay for hosting for the audio, pay for hosting for the website, and that's it. You know, it's Matt and I talked about this the other day. If if nothing else, all we want is to be able to pay Dave back for what he's given each of us the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we we talk about the Patreon. Yeah. And we also give this as a value for value sake, you know, much like I think every Patreon is, is done that way. So you can do as little as a dollar a month, excuse me. And you are in our, our Patreon Slack channel where you can hear us talk. You can hear Daryl's opinions on the new top gear. Pretty sure it would be a new button. You could push and just piss him off. Um, or you can hear, you know, you can hear hear us just be knuckleheads as we're talking about stuff. Hear me complain about work or whatever it might be. That's it, it starts at it a may dollar. Be a previews of that week's shows. You yeah. may yes, picking out the stories. You can help pick out the stories uh, before we choose them to go on air. So it's we're all friendly. We're yeah. some of us are a little sweary, but we have spots for that that are. Not blockaded, but you know when you're going into that room, uh, Corey is gonna Corey is gonna drop an f bomb. So it's like the beaded curtain section in Spencer's. Uh, if the beads are anal beads. <laughs> well, yeah. What other beads would they would they be? I don't um, know. 
something like a jelly bean. <laughs> but oh, um, three dollars you get you an extra, um, get you ex- additional audio content. Uh, five dollars would get you, um, or no, three dollars is the newsletter. Five dollars is is additional um episodes that go exclusively to the patrons. Um, and you could contact us. Tell us, hey, what you thought of Top Gear, what you thought of the Berlanciverse shows, what you thought of the comic book uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank that Corey recommended. You'll love it. Uh, yeah. Tell us all that. We have a, a phone number. You can leave us a voicemail at 805-328-3966, or you can email us mail at com. I welcome all mail, all voicemail that you want to send. Um, and then for subscription options, you can the links can be found under gncast.com slash subscribe. And you can join us on our Facebook page under Galactic Netcasts. And you can follow the show at Elsnerds, or you can follow the network at Galactic Netcasts. You can follow our producers at Beatmaster80. Um, Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I'm at that Gregor. And Corey is, of course, at Don't Ask Comics. I do comics. Yes. Um, and I guess the last thing this that is said to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We'll see you guys next time. Hail Hydra. Spoilers! You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com. <laughs>